So today, I'm going to call today's message, God's Big Reset. God's Big Reset. And it's important that we understand that when it comes to our relationship with God, God is the one that has pressed the reset button. Amen. Do you ever feel like sometimes you just wish you could press the reset button? (laughs) Have you ever wanted to press the reset button on a day? On your phone? On your computer? How many of us have tried to fix our computers and someone just said, switch it off, switch it back on, everything works? How did you know? (laughs) Well, God also has provided through Jesus an incredible reset when it comes to actually our lives, when it comes to working, uh, walking with God. Amen. So today's message, I'm going to read from the New Testament. If you're not familiar with the Bible, the Bible's got, uh, it's broken into two categories, Old Testament, New Testament, um, 66 books put together. It's an incredible collective uh, that represents not just history, uh, philosophy, medicine, perspective, culture. It has got such a rich depth of understanding for all of us. Um, You don't have to be Jewish to appreciate the Old Testament and you don't have to be uh, Greek to understand the New Testament. You just got to be alive. You've got to be open to realizing that it's a profound book that brings, I believe, the revelation of who, what God wants to do through Jesus towards our lives. So I'm going to stay with the Old New Testament today, New Testament verses that I'm going to Uh, bring to the table for you to understand how does God press the reset button in our lives and what benefits does it bring to us. So I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 1 verse 19. And this again is a letter that was written to ordinary people like you and I. But 2,000 years ago, Paul was writing a letter to help people like us get get a hold of what Christ has done in our lives. So I'm going to read it. And my prayer is that God's going to speak to you through this. Is that okay? So this is what it says, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 to 23. For God in all His fullness, His very essence and attributes was pleased to live in Christ. Jesus became the visible image of the invisible God. And yes, you and I live in the 21st century and we do not are able to see Jesus with our own natural eyes. But Jesus made the invisible God visible and in his short time on earth, 33 years, he starts like all of us as a child. And he went on a journey with a family. And the climax of his life was to get to the age of 33 and to find himself on his own on a Roman cross crucified. For many of us today in our culture, whether we're religious, irreligious, or couldn't care less about this, the fact is a baby being born does not really threaten us. It's why Christmas is more a tradition than it is anything because we can handle the trees, the festivities, the drinks, essen and, and drinking, but the fact is his child was born unto you, a child will be born and his name will be Emmanuel, God is with us. So a child being born doesn't really intimidate. But if you call the child a king, the only one who's intimidated is the king at that time who feels like their kingdom is gonna be threatened. But the point is he goes on, lives a life and it's only for three years that he lives a public ministry where he shows the essence and the attributes of our father towards humanity. He speaks in a way that is not common. 
His words are reassuring, uplifting. When He speaks, the oil and the wine is present. Joy suddenly comes into the hearts of the people. But while He's speaking, it's not everyone is finding reassurance in His voice. The religious are angry, frustrated, annoyed. Because He talks differently and He sounds differently from anything that people are familiar with. He gets involved in the brokenness of people's lives. He heals the sick. He includes the lonely. He lifts the heads of the rejected, the marginalized. One day the disciples were talking with Him and He said to them, you know, about visiting those in prison. Talked about bringing water to those who were thirsty. Talked about bringing food to those who were hungry and clothing those who were naked. And Jesus says to them, if you do this unto the least, you have done this unto me. And here we are in the 21st century, finding ourselves again involved in people who are displaced. People who are hungry, people who need the basics of life. People who need to know their children have a future, an education and a hope that they can look into the future and know that it's going to be okay. So the words of Jesus back then don't just stay in the ancient part of the world. They come into the 21st century part of the world. And yes, we need to hold on to His words yet again. Because no one sounds like Jesus. For God so loved the world, He sent a politician. If it's a political person we need, then why didn't He send a politician? Is He left wing, right wing? Is He centralist? We have this ability to know that something's wrong, but we just don't know what it is. And yes, there's a a resolve in all of us. A human nature wants to overcome, to find solutions. If there's something wrong, we want to fix it. If there's something broken, we want to restore it. If there's something out there, we want to know what it is. That curiosity is a God-given thing within all of us. But God in His fullness knew that we needed Him more than we were looking for Him. And so Easter helps us to realize God pressed the reset button so that you and I could have a relationship with God. What we tend to do with our lives is we tend to live in a legalistic mindset. What's the rules? Just tell me the rules and I'll try to keep them. (laughs) And legalism is a very interesting thing because that's where the strength of religion comes from. But over here, we have another part of the coin, which I guess you could call liberalism, which is a different kind of beast. But at the end of the day, it's two rivers from the same source. Legalism is, well, I'm going to act like I'm free, but really I know I'm not free. So I'll just keep the rules in place and I'll keep the rules on you and I'll keep the rules on me. And legalism is not a, a, a nice place to be. But over here, what we do is is we act like, well, liberalism is the way to go. I I will, you know, here, I'm going to hide my sin, pretend I'm free. Over here, I'm going to parade my sin and call it freedom. And so which one do you want to live in? Do you want to live in legalism or do you want to live in liberalism? And Jesus comes to us and says, you don't have to live left wing or right wing. You can live the gospel, the good news, the good news. 
The good news is you don't have to hide your sin. The good news is you don't have to parade your sin. The good news is I will absorb everything that is wrong with humanity. The good news is Jesus does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And He does better than that. He gives us more than we could ever imagine. That's why it's good news. And so this is what it is, the fullness of God, the very essence and attributes of God Himself are now displayed through Christ. You wanna know what God's like? Listen to the way Jesus spoke. You wanna know what God's like? The way He treated people. You don't wanna know what God's like? Look at the very person of Jesus. And through God, Through Him, God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth, spiritual and physical, by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were His enemies, separated from Him by your rebellious thoughts and actions, yet now He has reconciled you to Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body. So we struggle with all these words, reconciliation, but let's just think of a picture. Have you ever had a child? My wife once was going through an airport and our son Isaac went through security without her. And he was how old? Almost three years old. He doesn't know how to hold a passport yet. And if it is, it's like probably been lost. (laughs) So imagine as a mother, seeing your son go through security on the other side and you haven't gone through security yourself, any mother know what I'm talking about? You're like, your three-year-old is not looking back going, and if he does look back, he waves and keeps running. And eventually Joyce, by the grace of God, got through security (laughs) and was after her son. Well, our son, but I wasn't there. And the point I'm making is, is when they were reconciled, Many years ago, we got to go to an island in uh, Indonesia and uh, we're on our way back from Australia to, to Europe, to London, and we had a little bit of a break. And I remember on the day we were leaving to travel back to the UK, um, we looked around after we were at the hotel paying uh, for our time there. And I looked behind and, and Isaac's gone. And I'm like, Joyce, have you got Isaac? No, have you got Isaac? No. I'm like, straight away, panic straight in. And you're like, where's he gone? Where's he gone? And, and, and he's gone. We don't know where he's gone. So we're out into, and you could feel like Joyce was like, and, well, the whole emotion was climbing rapidly. And what I'm trying to say to you is, is that this is real, is that when you're someone you love is not there where they should be. And so we spent the next, it felt like days, but it was only hours. He'd gone to the park, he'd gone to the beach, where all kids go. <laughs> Just want to have some fun. 20 minutes, see, I'm slightly dramatic. <laughs> Felt like 20 years, you know, no, no. But the point I'm making is, what happens when you get back together? A reconciliation. That's how much God wants to do in our lives. That's what Easter represents, a reconciliation. So you can be restored with your heavenly Father. You know, we were made in the image of God. So deep down, we know 
that there is a value and a nobility and a strength and a purpose and a meaning that's in our lives. We don't come from nothing and go to nothing and expect to live in the moment with purpose. No, we come from Him. We live for Him. We're going to Him. You tell your children that they come from nothing, they go to nothing, and expect them to have a sense of value for their lives. And I'm not saying just make up any Mickey Mouse stuff and come up with a narrative that you think is working for you. No, no, I'm not talking about pluralism or relativism or any kind of ism that just feels good at the moment. I'm talking about a profound truth that can build your life on, a foundation that will never be shaken. And so this is what we get through the cross. It includes you who are far away from God. As a result, what has the cross done for us? Jesus on the cross, He laid down His life so you and I could come home. This is what it says. As a result, He has brought you into His own presence. And now you are holy and blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. It's not, I'm going to keep the rules, try and obey the rules and hide my sin and pretend I'm free. It's not, well, I'm going to parade my sin and just say it's freedom and I do whatever I want, however I feel like it. No, it's a profound understanding of the gospel, the good news. Everything that I get is because of Jesus. You don't become holy because you're holy. He is the one that makes us holy. He presents us before the Father because His life was acceptable before the Father. You take away the cross, what have we got? You take away the sinless life of Jesus, what have we got? And that's what the good news represents for all of us. And this is what it says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you've received when you heard the good news, the good news that has been preached all over the world, amen? So I believe it's important that we hear good news for our lives. We're all in a moment in time where it's constantly like a wave of bad news, bad news, bad news. And we got to understand there is room for good news in our lives. Amen. And that's what Easter represents. It represents good news. And so, you know, the good news is that that God has done something where the reset button has pressed for all of us. And it's up to us to accept that or at least consider that for our lives. Uh, In 2010, there was a book published called Wellbeing. And it lists five essentials for our well-being. And the premise of this book uh, basically looked at 50 years of research from scientists, economists, uh, psychologists, who had explored the common elements of well-being that transcended countries and cultures. The findings revealed the universal elements of well-being that differentiate between a thriving life versus one spent suffering. And so these are the five categories that it said in terms of people's well-being. And I think it's just interesting, but I want to I highlight what they say. First of all, it comes to our well-being, physical well-being. Am I healthy and do I have energy to enjoy life? All of us know that there is a better quality of life when we're healthy. Amen? And I think it's a very good point. And I think we do take it seriously. I think most of us, um, even if we know sugar's bad for us. (laughs) If you've been raised on it, it's really hard to get off it. But the point I'm making is physical well-being. Am I healthy and do I have energy to enjoy life? The second thing it highlights is social well-being. Do I have healthy, loving relationships? Am I surrounded by people? 
that love me? Am I surrounded by people that I love? It doesn't matter how accomplished you are, how successful you are, or how messy or broken you are. At the end of the day, when we get to that last breath, who do you want to be surrounded by? Nobody, somebody, or the people that you've given your very best to when it comes to your life on earth. It doesn't matter which way you look at it, but when you look at your life and you go, well, I'm here right now. I had a beginning. I've learned a few things, but I've still got a long life ahead of me. But let's just say you get to the end of your days and you look back over your life. Ask yourself the question, are you happy with what you traded your life in for? Because whatever we do with our lives, we have to take full responsibility. That's what I chose to do. That's what I chose to do. And I pray for all of us that we will at least consider God's reset for our lives. Why? Because we may not have done life with Him up until this point, but you've got a choice to do the rest of your days with Him instead of without Him. And again, that's not legalism and liberalism. It's the gospel because it's the gospel that reassures us. God does for me what I cannot do for myself. And He does more than that. He gives me more than ever I could ever imagine. So social well-being, make a decision. Am I surrounded by healthy, loving relationships? In other words, don't push people away. Some of us have got a personality that just pushes people away. I'm not talking about you. Am I talking about me? I'm just talking about the reality is don't have that kind of attitude in life where you just repel people, you know? If life is about me, 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 you will push people away. Jesus didn't make it about him. He made it about you. And we're always going to be better when we are here to serve. We are not heroes. We are here to serve. Jesus didn't come into the earth and say, hey, announcement, everybody, I am your hero. No, he said he came into the earth to serve. So it's not about who's the hero. It's who's the greatest servant amongst us. Another thing they said was career well-being, social well-being, physical well-being. Career well-being. In other words, do I like my work? Is it meaningful and fulfilling? And if it's not, what are you going to do to change that? You spend a lot of time working. Do something that you're good at. Do something that you love. And do something that gives back to others. And I think that's where you get to do something with your life. Whatever you're good at, whatever you're gifted at, whatever you're intelligent on, just do something that brings strength to the world in which we're a part of. And we see that actually every day, people doing their very best. But it's a good question. Career well-being. Do I like my work? And do something about it. The fourth thing it mentions is financial well-being. Um, am I able to provide for myself and others? You know, it, it sounds like an interesting... The thing is, is there are people that need the help of others. But the truth is, it is a very important comment to make because I think we should be able to get ourselves in a better place where, yeah, we can feed our own family, but we can begin to feed others. It's not just about you. It's always about others. And I believe that's when life gets so much more. And again, Jesus makes this possible. Are you saying that I can't help others? Uh, I have to accept Jesus? No, I am not saying helping people, you have to have Jesus. I'm just saying, but it's very different when you make your peace with Jesus, your motivations for why you help other people are much more healthier. 
I'm not saying you need Jesus to help humanity. That's not what I'm saying. The gospel helps us first. It restores us first. And then from that place of love. In other words, let me say it this way. You begin to work from love, not for love. You begin to work from forgiveness, not for forgiveness. You work from acceptance, not for acceptance. Your motivation changes. Why? Because you're the most loved person on earth. That's what the gospel says. You're so loved. And it's love that transforms us. Let's say yes to love and let's say yes to God's love. Amen. Imagine baby Ivy growing up in a world where no one loved her. It's unthinkable right now for her parents especially. (laughs) But what damage would we do to our children if we withheld love? Well, think about that. God knows how much damage is caused to us when we are robbed of his love. What's Easter all about? Press the reset button. You're the most loved person. Why did Jesus die on the cross? To show his great love for all of us. So I believe it's about getting yourself in a financially well-being place. Number five, this comment from the book was community well-being. Am I connected into a diverse community? You know, it's so interesting because isolation destroys us. Uh, This whole thing called social distancing has always been problematic because the fact is, is we are social beings. You know, physically distanced, yes, but social, oh! And we've struggled over the last couple of years. We're generalizing, obviously, but it's just created so many things in our lives that we say, no, I want to be with people, amen? So let me just give you some thoughts here as I try to bring this to a close here. And I believe one of the ways God has bring the, some of the things that God does with the reset in our lives. So first thing I want to share with you is that when God brings the reset into our lives, it means that we are forgiven. God's big, big reset has provided forgiveness. And you need to know that you're forgiven. I need to know that I'm forgiven. And, and if you're like, well, what am I being forgiven from? Like, well, we are sinful. We are, we are not um, holy. We're not, we're not without blame. We, we, we need Jesus to represent us before the Father. And that's what Jesus does. And, and think about it. If you can do this without God, then let's all follow you. But the reason Jesus stands alone is because he's the only one without sin. And that's where the tension's always going to be. He's a pathway for some and he's a barrier to some. But what is the narrative we're dealing with now? Pride versus humility. See, pride will take you in the wrong direction a long, long way before you'll ever say, I got it wrong. And there's no guarantee you're going to say, I got it wrong. But humility is a game changer because humility is... I know who I am. I know what I need. I know who I'm. So humility says, I need Jesus and I want him more than anyone or anything. Pride doesn't. Pride says, I will define my identity by my jobs, my achievements, my relationships, my everything that, my good, my bad, and whatever it is, I will define my identity by all of these external things. But humility is, no, no, no. I'm willing to say yes to Jesus. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you belong to? Do you know that you're made in the image of God? Do you know that you have absolutely incredible value over your life? No matter how broken you are, Jesus says, 
give it all to me and watch what I can do with it, amen? So that's what Easter's all about. It's not about how great we are, it's how great He is. It's not about how strong we are, it's how amazing God is, amen? And so we are forgiven. So Ephesians chapter one says this, he was so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave all, all our sins. The challenge with forgiveness is, I can forgive you, but can you forgive yourself? God can forgive me, but will I forgive myself? Sometimes the fight is not with forgiveness, it's the sense of can you, are you willing to forgive yourself? And you need Jesus to lift you out of whatever it is that you feel like you can't forgive yourself. And I think there are things in our story sometimes that we find difficult to forgive. And yet he comes in with a very different story and says, it might be hard, but it's not impossible because God is God. Amen. Believe today that you are forgiven. Believe today with the reset button that God presses, it has provided forgiveness to all of humanity, past, present, and future in Jesus' name. Amen. Thing here that really highlights as well is the reset that God has provided means we have been justified. See, forgiveness is one thing, but justification is even better. Justification means you've been justified. Legally, all the claims have been met and you walk away free. Justification lightens the load. You can be forgiven, but you kind of know that you've done something and it's just nice to be forgiven. It lightens the load, but justification sets you free. So we are justified, sanctified, glorified. Salvation covers it all. So let me read Romans chapter five. So now since we have been justified, made right in God's sight, by faith in His promises, we can have real peace with Him because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. For because of our faith, He has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to actually becoming all that God has in mind for us to be. We've been justified. You've been justified. That should bring freedom to you. And by the way, all of this is by faith. One person says yes, another person says. The challenge we all have to face is, where are you going to go to get these for your life? You have to go somewhere. And that's what Jesus says, come to me. Another one that comes out of this reset is the eternal life, life beyond the grave. Romans chapter 6, verse 22 to 23, now you are free from the power of sin and belong to God and His benefits to you include holiness and everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. There is life beyond the grave. We don't want to talk about death. It's not very a good topic in our culture. Yeah, but there are parts of the world where death and life, life and death are a part of every day. Sun rises and we have to face death and we have to face life if you go to certain parts of the world. But here in our European, Western culture, let's not talk about death. And yet it's the one thing that no one can defeat, only Jesus. And what is the assurance that we have for our loved ones that have died? Where do they go? What's beyond the grave? What's beyond this physical moment? 
Are we spiritual? And is there an eternal purpose for our lives? These are great questions and these are great um, things that we have to consider at some point. But the point is, it's not just philosophy. It's actually practical. It's in the moment. It's now. It's a sense of what are you going to do with your life? And you've got to make choices, not excuses. There There is an eternal aspect to our lives. And it's not just in the now. What happens if you want justice for now and you don't get it? God's promise is that He will bring justice in the end. So there's something bigger about this moment. There's something bigger about our story on earth. There's something more eternal than we could ever imagine. It's not just here for a moment and then try to figure it all out. No, no. We came from Him. We will be here, hopefully by the grace of God, holding on to Him and we will go to be with Him. Amen. I believe it's important that we understand that Jesus reversed the curse over our lives. Galatians chapter 3, Jesus took away the curse the law put upon us. He changed places with us and put himself under that curse. I, I just think it's important we understand what Jesus has done on the cross. Everything that's wrong with us, he said, Father, put it upon me. Everything that's right with him, he said, Father, put it on them. Amen. And I could go on forever on this moment, but that's the profoundness. He took our mess and he gave us his righteousness. It's a gift. And if you don't want to go to Jesus for these things, then where are you going to go? Who are you going to try and find salvation in? Well, I'll find it in my career. Okay, go for it. But your job, even if it's meaningful, can't save you. Your job will never love you back. Only Jesus can do that. Amen. When you have a job, He'll love you. When you don't have a job, He'll love you. When you hate your job, He'll love you. It's it's a personal relationship. You don't need God to be religious. But if you want transformation and freedom, amen, His love is the best love. It's His love that restores us. It's His love that transforms us. A loved man is a loving man. A loved woman is a loving woman. A loved child will be a loving child. How are you going to fix the world's mess? How are you going to bring an end to wars? How are you going to stop famines? How are you going to stop hatred? How are you going to put an end to murder? Oh, why do we talk about this on a lovely, hot, sunny Easter Sunday? It's because God's provided a reset for the challenge we face. And He has reversed the curse. In other words... He can give us what we're looking for, but it's in a person called Jesus. It's not a concept. It's not a philosophy. It's better than that. It's found in the person of Jesus. Amen.